With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man. who's called Mal Evans. He was on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane. And he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Sergeant Pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Center going to be with you in person this week. For everyone listening, we do one of our shows a week, usually on video, so you can watch this on YouTube or on X or on Facebook. Make sure you follow us there. Make sure you follow us on YouTube, and you can watch this episode as well. I want to get in first uh, into the big news as, as we got here to film this. Ron DeSantis, not only did he drop out, but he's endorsed Donald Trump for president. Your initial reaction to that, is that the right decision, the right time to do it early on? Well, listen, it is big news. I will say it's not surprising. Uh, You and I talked about this in our pod last week. As you know, last week I endorsed Donald Trump immediately following the Iowa caucus. And, And the reason I did that is the results of the Iowa caucus were clear. They were decisive. And what I said that next day is this primary is over. Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee. I thought that was clear from the results of Iowa. Uh, DeSantis, it was clear that DeSantis was going to drop out. We didn't know that it would necessarily be on Sunday, but we knew it would be soon. He did not have a path going forward. He did not have a path to victory. He recognized that once you don't have a path to victory, I think the right thing to do is to drop out. That's what he did. Um, At this point, it is a two-person race between Trump and Nikki Haley. And we've got the New Hampshire primary coming up right now. Um, As I said, I I think this primary is over, but New Hampshire might represent a speed bump. Uh, New Hampshire, over history, has at times been contrary. Haley and Donald Trump are polling basically neck and neck in New Hampshire. I think it is entirely possible we see a close outcome in New Hampshire. I don't think it is impossible that Nikki Haley wins New Hampshire. She's within two points of him right now. Yeah. But whether it is close or whether Haley wins New Hampshire or whether Trump wins New Hampshire, I don't think it makes a hill of beans of difference. If Trump wins, the race is over that instant. If Haley wins, the race is over shortly thereafter because after New Hampshire, the race moves on to South Carolina. Nikki Haley is a former governor of South Carolina, but Trump has a dominating lead in South Carolina. Trump is going to win South Carolina by double digits 
And that hurts her more, you think, because yes. it is her home state. It's kind of like when Al Gore lost Tennessee, for example. Yeah. If you lose your home state, it's not going to go well for you. Well, and, and especially in a primary. Remember, Gore lost Tennessee in the general election, yeah. so there was nothing to happen after that. Um, in this instance, losing your home state in a primary is, is crushing. Uh, you need to be able to win your home state. I don't see any way that Nikki Haley is going to win South Carolina. And right after South Carolina are the Super Primary, the Super Tuesday states that are predominantly southern states. In all of those, Trump has a big, big lead. What we've got playing out right now is Nikki Haley has become the moderate establishment candidate. So anyone, and typically in, in a Republican presidential primary, about 30% of the voters self-identified, self-identify as establishment moderates. That means 70% do not. Uh, at this point, Nick, Nikki is clearly owning the establishment moderate lane. Uh, and part of the reason why it is possible that she wins in New Hampshire is New Hampshire is a state that has a lot of independents. Now, independents in New Hampshire can vote in either primary. They can show up on primary day and say, I want to vote Democrat or I want to vote Republican. And so they can choose that day. And so independents can really influence the outcome of the New Hampshire primary. This weekend, the Boston Globe had a big editorial urging independents, do not vote in the Democrat primary, show up, vote in the Republican primary. Operation and Chaos, yes. basically. Well, no, no, but it's very specific. And vote for Nikki Haley. Beat Donald Trump right. is what the Boston Globe, and the Boston Globe says, we don't like Nikki Haley, Yeah, but we hate Donald Trump. And so particularly if you see a bunch of independents showing up, in order to defeat Trump, that could happen in one state. But beyond that, I, I, I don't see any any path going forward for Haley or, or anyone to beat Trump. Let's talk about DeSantis for a moment, dropping out and, and what happens to his voters in New Hampshire. There are some that might be frustrated their guys out. Do they do, do, does a majority of them go historically to the underdog there because you're mad that you had your guy dropped out because the guy who's in the lead, a.k.a. Donald Trump? Talk about the, the psychological aspect of voters and what happens historically there. So I have not seen the polling in New Hampshire of who DeSantis's people list as their second choice. And that's among more sophisticated polling. You ask people, all right, your first choice is, is Ben Ferguson. Who's your second choice? Mickey Mouse. OK, so you write those down. Um, my supposition. So DeSantis was at about six percent in New Hampshire. He was not going to do well in New Hampshire. That's part of the reason Ron didn't have a path. Yeah. He was going to get crushed in New Hampshire. Then he was going to go to South Carolina and get crushed in South Carolina. And then he was going to go on to the Super Tuesday states and get crushed, including getting crushed in his home state of Florida. And, and so they're just, as you looked at the calendar and said, well, what state can he win? Yeah. There wasn't an answer to that, which is why, why this decision was made. Um. You know, in terms of where the roughly 6% of New Hampshire voters go that were going to vote for him, my guess is that more of them go to Trump than go to Haley. I don't know that. Uh, but you've got kind of twin factors if you're just making suppositions. On one factor, look, DeSantis as a candidate based on his record, uh, there's much more of an ideological overlap with Trump. DeSantis was running as a pretty Trumpy candidate. It was basically sure. Trump without the baggage was was to the extent there was a DeSantis message. That was it. 
you and I talked about this. If you put them on stage and you went through 100 conservative issues there and said, raise your hand if you agree with this or disagree, they would probably have matched up about 99 out of 100. Yeah. And, and so the voters who were with DeSantis tend to agree with Trump on the issues down the line. Um, however, some of the voters with DeSantis are people who just didn't like Trump and decided DeSantis was the strongest alternative. So if you're a voter who doesn't like Trump, presumably you go to Nikki Haley. If you're a voter who is ideologically aligned and, and stylistically aligned with Trump and DeSantis, you presumably go to Trump. My guess is of, of the 6%, 4% goes to Trump and 2 goes to Haley. That's, that's, that's just pulling out of the air, but notionally those would be the reasons that that would happen. All right, let's go back to your victory for a second. That was a life-changing moment politically yeah. for you. Yeah. Can we talk strategy just for a second there? What was your strategy? And remind people what the issues were during that election with Donald Trump. It was, I mean, that was a, that was a just bloodbath. There was a lot of punches that were being swung. There was a lot of negative media. And I'm talking about media stories and accusations and absurd things that I could have never imagined would hit in that race. And all of a sudden it was all there. And you came out with that victory. When did you think you were going to win that? Was there a day or two before when you thought, uh, we have the edge? Was it a week before? So so on the weekend, all of the public polling showed Trump was going to win Iowa. And all the public polling was wrong. I can tell you my polling on the campaign showed we were going to win Iowa. And my polling, I think, was one point off. And, And that was consistent throughout the 2016 campaign. Our internal polls were almost exactly where our numbers were. And so we knew where we were. We ran a very, very data-driven campaign. Uh, Listen, 2016 was a race where there were 17 Republican candidates. It was a very crowded field. And and those 17 candidates, and it was a very strong field. um, The level of debate then was at a level that I don't think we've had in a long time in politics. And that's one of the things that I loved about that campaign was you did have a lot of brilliant minds on stage. I kind of missed that. There was there was a level of debate that I thought was good for the country on issues. Did you enjoy that? Loved every second of every minute of every day. Um, it, it was incredible. It, it, it was it, it was breathtaking. It was all consuming, and it was the most fun I've ever had in my life. Can I ask an inside baseball question yep. there? Rubio, if he would have dropped out before South Carolina. What did y'all's polling show then? Um, Trump would have still won South Carolina, but it would have been a much, would have been much closer. And and Rubio later on, Rubio stayed in the race for a long time and cut support away from me. And and so, you know, if you fast forward to Super Tuesday and before the Florida primary, uh, we polled at the time what happened if Rubio and I ran together as a ticket. What ended up happening? Um, I ended up winning 12 states. Uh, Trump won at the time. It was something like 23 states. And no other candidate won more than a single state. So Kasich won Ohio. Rubio won Minnesota. And Trump and I won every other state. Uh, We did poll at the time right before Florida what happens if Rubio drops out and if Rubio joins me. And we... Our poll numbers showed, showed that my support jumped double digits. Wow. Uh, and I think it would have changed the outcome. If Marco had done that, I think it, it, it is quite likely the outcome would have changed, but he didn't. And, and so what ended up happening is 
even though I won 12 states at the end of the day, Trump had too big a lead and it essentially took too long for the rest of the field to consolidate, that Rubio stuck around a long time, Kasich stuck around a long time. They couldn't win anywhere, but they could suck votes away from me, and they did. And and that, their sticking around played a pivotal part in, in Trump's winning the nomination in 16. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And when I say only, I mean it. They are the only one. Patriot Mobile is a fabulous supporter of this show, which is why I'm proud to partner with them. And I have been now for almost a decade. Patriot Mobile offers you as a conservative two things that are going to be very important. Number one, dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all of the major network towers that you're using right now, which means you get the same coverage that you've been accustomed to. But the most important thing is without funding the left. Now, when I say find the left, you may say, what do you mean? You may not realize just how much Big Mobile actually hates you and your family values, your faith, and how much they're giving to Planned Parenthood. That's why I switched to Patriot Mobile. And when I look down at my phone, I see Patriot up in the upper left-hand corner. And I know that every time that I'm sending a message, every time I'm on that phone, I am supporting with my dollars an organization that supports free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, as well as our military veterans and first responder heroes. They have a 100% U.S.-based customer service team, which makes switching easy. I just had to switch over a phone the other day. It was easy. When I say easy, I mean easy. You get to keep your same cell phone number you have right now. You can keep your same phone you have in your hand or upgrade it to a new one. And their team will help you find the best plan for your needs. Now, when you pay your bill, that's when the real magic happens. They take a percentage of that bill at no cost to you. And they give it back to the conservative causes that I just mentioned. So you're making a difference and standing with your values instead of giving your money to companies that literally hate what you believe in. So make the switch by going to PatriotMobile.com slash verdict. That's PatriotMobile.com. Dot com slash verdict or call them 972 Patriot. That's 972 Patriot. Get free activation when you use the promo code verdict. Join me and make the switch today. PatriotMobile.com slash verdict. That's PatriotMobile.com slash verdict or 972 Patriot. All right, let's talk about dropping out. And I, I want you to kind of pull back the curtain. Yep. Because DeSantis just went through this gut-wrenching moment. Uh, I think in politics, people don't understand how hard it is, not when you're running president, I think on just you, your family, your, your friends, your supporters, the people that are writing checks. It, it is one of the worst moments watching a candidate have to decide how to, how to drop out, when to drop out, where to do it, being good stewards of their supporters and their dollars that you're continually asking them to give. When you were looking at the idea of dropping out, how did that go down? Did you talk to a larger group of people first? Did you talk to donors and then a smaller group? Did you talk to your campaign staff? And then did you talk to your family? What was that cycle? How did that look like to make that decision? Because obviously DeSantis had to deal with that. And now there's a lot of people calling for Nikki Haley to get out. I don't think she's going to get out anytime soon. Uh, and, And so what does that decision look like when you were having to go through it? Well, listen, almost everyone drops out for the same reason. They go broke. What what drives you out of a campaign is when you're no longer able to raise the money to keep the lights on, when you're no longer able to raise the money to run any ads, when you're no longer able to raise the money to pay your campaign staff, when you're no longer able to raise the money to fly to the next campaign event. That's what drives people out. 
Uh, it's also a reason a lot of campaigns are terrible at budgeting, and they blow a lot of money early. fast and early, and they go broke. And so you have a lot of candidates who drop out before a single vote is cast, who drop out before Iowa happens. Um, and so marshalling the money, one of the reasons DeSantis, I'm not surprised that he dropped out, is he was going broke and nobody would write him a check. At this yeah. point, when, when he's gotten crushed in Iowa and there's not a state coming up that he any a, any prayer of winning, it, Why becomes, do you write that check? it becomes impossible to raise money, both large money. You're calling donors and ask him to max out. And no one will write a check then. If they don't think you can win, your money disappears. But little donors, people giving $5 or $10, they don't do that either if they don't believe you have a chance at victory. Um, that dynamic is inevitably the case. You also have, an, and, and look, it's worth underscoring, believing you can win. If your supporters believe you can win, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, for example... We came out of the first three states. I won Iowa, Trump won New Hampshire and South Carolina. We then went forward. We had had Super Tuesday. I ended up on Super Tuesday. Trump won seven states. I won three. So I won Oklahoma, Maine and Texas. And Texas was a big deal. A lot of delegates. I won a big double digit victory in Texas. You'd rather win Texas than than three or four other smaller states in the same day. Yes, but but winning Oklahoma and and that's the day Rubio won Minnesota. That so that was his one victory. Um, but winning those three states is what made it at that point a two man race. Uh, as I established myself as the principal alternative to Trump at this point. Um, if you fast forward from there. So there was a three-week period in March and April when I won five consecutive primaries by double digits. I won Utah, North Dakota, Wyoming, Colorado, Wisconsin. All three of those played all five of those played out over three consecutive weeks, and I won all of them by double digits. Big crushing victories. Normally when that happens, there's a narrative of the parties uniting, coming together, you're winning, you're uniting different factions of the party. Wisconsin, for example, was an, was an enormous victory. You look at Wisconsin. Wisconsin, the knock that the media tried to do on me was the same knock they did on Huckabee and Santorum, which is he's an evangelical niche candidate that just, just appeals in small circles. Um, I never thought that was a very, very accurate characterization yes i am a christian and and that is a big part of who i am but i'm i'm a very different person than mike huckabee or rick santorum um wisconsin is one of the least evangelical states in the country wisconsin is a purple state yeah wisconsin is a blue collar state wisconsin is a union state wisconsin is a working class state and so under conventional narratives i should have gotten crushed in wisconsin I ended up winning decisively in, in Wisconsin. I won very conservatives. I won somewhat conservatives. I won women. I won men. I won young people. I won Reagan Democrats. It was a 13-point victory in Wisconsin. What was the issue there that, that made that difference? Um, 
I campaigned on my record that I had a strong, proven record of fighting for conservative principles, fighting for jobs, fighting for the Constitution, and that proven record resonated. Um, what happened subsequently, however, is the next week was the New York primary. Now, the New York primary is Donald Trump's home state. Yeah. The New York primary also is, is a difficult primary for one thing. New York has a curious way of doing primaries in that they have a different party, the conservative party, so that many of the more conservative New York voters are not actually in the Republican Party. They're in the conservative party. Yeah. Um, and listen, one would expect Trump to win his home state. He did. He won New York decisively. New York is also where most of the national and corporate media is headquartered. So they loved it. And so for the media, they obsessed on that. And what ended up happening, we saw a 48-hour time period where the relentless media coverage was the race is over, Trump is won, he can't be beaten, he can't be beaten, he can't be beaten. Despite we just had five double-digit victories. In a row. In a row, consecutively, the media just flooded the zone with the message, the race is over, and we saw our numbers plummet. So the next week was Pennsylvania. Before the New York primary, Trump and I were tied in Pennsylvania. After the New York primary, when the media hammered, the race is over, the race is over, we dropped double digits. Our people gave up. They said, you just can't win. That effect, and so I can tell you for DeSantis, once your people believe you can't win, they don't show up. Yeah. They don't work. They don't make phone calls. They don't give money. They don't put it, out it, yard signs. They don't do all the things that a campaign desperately needs. It, it, it just takes. So coming out of Wisconsin, the polling in California, I was leading Trump significantly in California. Interesting. Until the media just broke our back with the race is over, the race is over, the race is over. Trump has won. Trump has won. Trump has won. And the media made that a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so we saw... My last primary was Indiana. Uh, and Indiana, the relentless media coverage, and it actually it was quantified. Trump got $3 billion in free media that cycle. And so my campaign— people, By the way, d d I think you should say that again because I think people forget this. $3 the billion, billion. With a B. And, and so people understand how we do this in the political world. When you're running campaigns, there's earned media— there's 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 free media and there's news cycles that just play to some people's advantage. Donald Trump just sucked the the free media out of the, every room. And, and there was no precedent for it. So in, in 2016, my campaign raised ninety two million dollars. It was the most money any Republican had ever raised in the history of presidential primaries. It was more than George W. Bush or John McCain or Mitt Romney. And that came from 1.6 million contributions all over the country. $92 million is a crap ton of money. Yeah. Unless you have $3 billion, billion on the other end. And it actually was quantified. The last 30 days of the campaign, Donald Trump got $500 million in free media. This is during the primary. The last 30 days, $500 million. Wow. Over 90% of it was positive. Basically, the last 30 days, the media just said, it's over, it's over, it's over, it's over. And the floor collapsed on all of our numbers. Our people gave up. The media convinced them it was over. 
And once they convinced them it was over, it was. So DeSantis is in the same place. His people had abandoned hope, and at that point he had no choice. And so I suspended the campaign May 3rd. I still remember it well. We did a rally. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two this is our podcast and we're going to do it our way listen to our way on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. We have more insightful conversations between myself, Paul Muldoon, and Paul McCartney about his life and career. It was 20 years ago today. We had a big bear of a man, it's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. I said, what? Sergeant Pepper? This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, here, there and everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. What got you to that decision, though? I understand the, the, the money drying up, but, but explain the, the, the sphere around you and, and how many meetings did it take to get to the decision? So, look, I had a, a core team, a, a senior leadership team on, on the campaign, and these are very trusted advisors, and it's about 10 people. Um, and we spent, so the night before Indiana, we spent several hours going through the data and going through numbers. I told you we were intensely data-driven. I don't think there has ever been a candidate and a campaign that was as data-driven uh, as, as we were. And, and we knew the results in virtually every state before they happened. And, and consistently our results were within one or two points of the outcome. So as we were sitting down the night before, we had a long, extensive meeting, and we go through the numbers. We go through the numbers in the subsequent states. And as I'm looking at it, 
there wasn't a state we had a path to win. So was that just crushing to you personally? Um, I mean, you're still yes. in a campaign. Yes. You're still fighting, Senator. I mean, like, so, I, I, so so the media played a pivotal role in it. So, for example, the night of the New York primary, I gave a speech in Constitution Hall in in Philadelphia. Pennsylvania was coming up the next week. I remember that. Um, it was a brand new speech, so it was not my stump speech. It was a speech I'd never given before. It was. It wasn't terribly long. It was like yeah. 12, 13 minutes. So it was not a, a long stem winder. The media cut it off. They didn't air it. They just went away. Now, mind you, there are only two of us, Trump and me. There were four people on planet Earth, one of the four of whom was going to be the next president. Trump and me, Hillary and Bernie. Those yeah, were the four candidates it. remaining. And the media said, nope, we're not even going to cover your speech. Mind you, they would do things like... CNN had one press conference where they literally had the camera live on an empty podium waiting for Trump to speak. And they had the camera pointed at the air. There's his plane. I mean, it, it was it was breathtaking coverage that just drowned everything out. And so as we're sitting there, we looked at the upcoming states. And when our numbers collapsed, our numbers collapsed everywhere. So I'm sitting there with my data guys, and I'm like, well, okay, what's the path to victory? I mentioned why DeSantis suspended. He didn't have a path to victory. As I looked at it, I could not see any path to victory. Now, I also knew my numbers in Indiana. I knew that we were going to lose the next day. I knew we were going to lose by double digits. Now, did I hold out hope for a miracle? Sure. Yeah. But... Our data was rock solid, and, and it's interesting. There's some people in politics who hire staffers who just blow smoke at them, yeah. tell them what they want to hear. I don't understand that. I think that's idiotic. I, I hire a team that they will tell me when I've screwed up. They'll tell me when the polling's bad. Like, they're brutally honest. I think that makes you much more effective. But I knew that night, okay, the next day we're going to get clobbered in Indiana. And if we get clobbered in Indiana, we go on and the state's coming up. We don't have any path. And I mentioned everyone drops out when they go broke. I'm one of the few people for whom that was not the case. I wasn't broke. We had several million dollars still in the bank. You could have kept going. I had the money to keep going. Now, we couldn't do big ad buys. Yeah, but you uh, could run in a campaign. You but, could get to the next state. You could set up shop. You could do the you, you could do the events. So when I suspended on May third, Trump was astonished. Did not expect me to do that. And as I said, the reason I did is we looked at the polling numbers, and there was no credible path to come back and win. And once there wasn't a path to win, I wasn't interested in running and being a spoiler. Listen, I wanted to beat Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And so I didn't want to stick around just for the heck of it once there wasn't a path forward. And so I had a speech prepared that night, and we had, we're had we in Indiana, and we had several hundred of our strongest supporters that were there. And, well, actually, let me tell you something about that morning. So the morning of the Indiana primary, I fly out to this event <coughs> to do this speech. And by the way, in Indiana... I was campaigning with Mike Pence, yeah, who was the governor of Indiana, who had just endorsed me. It was a big endorsement, yeah. and, and, and a lot of people thought that could maybe change those numbers you were talking about. Except we didn't, because Pence's numbers were terrible in Indiana. He, he actually was underwater. His unfavorables were higher than his favorables. And so 
we had we actually there were very limited places in Indiana we could take Pence because most counties we went to it was not helpful. We picked a couple of counties where it was. But this is what I mean by being data driven. We say, okay, if we're going to campaign with someone, let's do it somewhere where it helps and not hurts and down to those day to day decisions. But the morning of the primary, we flew, I forget what town, but we flew to a speech that morning. And as we were driving by, there was an elementary school on the corner. And the school knew that a presidential candidate was coming. And so they'd let all the kids go out into the, like, the yard yeah, to, like, to see, see the it. presidential candidate. And and I told told uh, the guy driving the truck, I said, pull over. I, I want to go, go talk to the kids. And so I went and talked to the kids. And I ended up just kind of walking right into the group of kids. And I was surrounded by hundreds of of fifth graders maybe younger but they seemed about fifth graders and they were cheering and screaming at the top of their lungs and i've never had that happen by the way that this is the only day in politics that i've ever had this experience and they're literally jumping up and down around me and cheering and i gotta say that was emotional because i knew that morning that barring a miracle, I was dropping out that evening. So, so that was a hard day. That whole day was a hard day. And, and I will tell you, look, I don't, don't like wearing faith on my sleeve. But, Ben, I genuinely feel like that morning was God just giving me a hug. Yeah. Like, I will tell you to be surrounded by several hundred screaming fifth graders just, just cheering. I, it, I was grateful, like, okay— Thank you. Yeah, I needed this. I needed that, and it's still to this day. It, it. I'm getting choked up. I mean, it was a, it was a morning that was just like wow. So that night, we have the rally. I have my prepared remarks, and I'm giving my remarks, and they they have me suspending the campaign. As I get to, I say, I've always said I will stay in this as long as there is a path to victory ahead. Looking at the results, I don't see a path to victory. And therefore, I am tonight suspending my campaign for president. When that happened, there was a woman in the crowd who let out a wail. And and it felt like she had been struck. And I got to say, it struck me like a knife. Like that wail hurt. And I made it through the speech. And I'll tell you, it it was not easy to make it through the speech. And then I went backstage. There was a big curtain that separated the backstage. And I went backstage, and, and I'll tell you, I was just weeping. I, just tears were streaming down my face. And to this day, I'm embarrassed because I couldn't go out there and thank those supporters. And I desperately wanted, there were hundreds of people who had flown from state to state, had knocked on doors, had made phone calls, had poured their hearts into them. And I wanted with all my might to go out there and hug every one of them and say, thank you, thank you for fighting for our country. And I just, I couldn't stop weeping. And the problem was there were about 200 TV cameras out there. And from my perspective, when I thought that night, I said, I'll be damned if I'm going to let the media turn Lion Ted into Crying Ted. That just, no. 
No, they yeah, do not, not get that. to see this. It's none of their damn business. And so, and I could, so I couldn't come out. And Heidi was there, and it was one of look. Any good marriage is really a, a partnership. Yeah. And and Heidi is my best friend. That night, Heidi went out and spent probably two hours saying thank you, saying thank you, and hugging every person there, and they're all crying too. Like like it. It, it, it was a painful night, but Heidi had the strength to do what on that night I did not. Um, that's a hard thing. Like, a presidential campaign is so all-consuming. It consumes 16 to 18 hours a day, seven days a week. It, it, it that, listen, I, I feel for Ron and Casey right now. It's 2024, and a lot of us are trying to get our finances in order. There is some great news for homeowners. Interest rates have dropped and are now in the fives, a lot lower than they were last year. And if you've been buried in high-interest credit card debt, now's the time to break free. American Financing can help you access the cash in your home to pay off your high-interest debt. Last year, their salary-based mortgage consultants helped customers save an average of $854 a month. That's like giving yourself a $10,000 raise. What a way to start the new year. And if you start today, you may be able to delay two mortgage payments. Call American Financing today. 888-675-4090. That's 888-675-4090. Or online at AmericanFinancing.net. MLS 182334 MLS APR for rates in the five start at 6.406% for well qualified borrowers. Call 888 675 4090 for details about credit costs and terms. I think anyone that runs for president that's a serious candidate and drops out, uh, I've, people have asked me, what's it like on a presidential campaign when it's over? I'm like, it's like a funeral. Yeah, If you're a true believer in the campaign, in the candidate, you're giving it your all, you're a staffer, you're, you want your guy to win and it's over, it's like a funeral. It, and I spent a lot of time after, like, our team, I still think the team we assembled, and I'm not impartial, but I think the team we assembled is the best campaign team, certainly that I've ever seen. And, and they were like family. And so I went and assembled the entire team. Our headquarters was here in Houston. And I thanked all the staff. That This is like a day or two later. I yeah. thanked everyone and brought them in and just, just talked about, reflected on what the campaign meant and what they'd accomplished. And when we started, nobody thought I had a prayer. Nobody thought we could win a single state. And we came within inches of winning the whole thing. And I will tell you, we had – so our campaign office was – like an entire floor of cubicles here in Houston. Not far from where we are right yeah, now. Very close yeah. very close to where we are right now. And as everyone, you know, went home, I remember walking through that campaign office and just all the empty cubicles. And do you know the song from Les Mis? Uh, empty chairs and empty tables. Yeah. That was the song I kept hearing uh, in in my mind, in fact, I'm sure Ron and, and Casey are feeling the same thing. And it's, um, it is a hard thing because everyone pours themselves into it. I, you know, years ago, someone told me 
there's a reason that both politics and war use the word campaign because it's all consuming there is nothing else in life like when you are on a campaign it is 100% of your will and your heart and your mind and your soul and everything and uh and you know you do feel like you've let people down you know you're getting people they're pouring they're uprooting their lives they're moving their families they're giving sacrificially they believe in you and look at this point i've won elections i've lost elections winning is much better yeah that those nights are a lot better but the reality here i think this outcome was ordained the night of the iowa caucuses when trump won a dominating victory it was clear DeSantis had no oxygen and haley as i mentioned she will likely be competitive in new hampshire but I see no path for her beyond that. And so now we are going to test. Look, there are some big donors in the Republican Party that are never Trumpers that who do not like Trump and are writing millions of dollars to try to change the outcome. I don't think the money can do it at, at, at this point. Um, you know, they've got enough money in New Hampshire. They could practically send a masseuse to give everyone a back rub and a foot rub on on the way to the polls. But as you get on to South Carolina, I think Trump's lead is way is way too large for Haley to have a chance. And from there, I, I don't think there's any path beyond. Final question. Your advice to Nikki Haley, if you don't have that pathway that you just described, what's the point of staying in? Oh, look, you know, I, I actually try to refrain from giving advice to other candidates. That everyone's got to follow their own heart and, and do what they think is right. And their own timeline. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, calling on people to get out. I, I don't think. Let it play out. Yeah, it, it, it will play out. It's going to play out naturally. It's going to play out naturally on, and, and, and pretty quickly, I think. Uh, and so, you know, I recognize the decision to suspend a campaign is not easy. And, and look, depending on when it occurs, um, it can often mean so in, in 2016. You know, a bunch of the candidates suspended early, long before Iowa. And so I ended up, of my opponents, five of my opponents ended up endorsing me in that race. And, and so, so I got endorsed by Rick Perry and Carly Fiorina and Scott Walker uh, and, and Jeb Bush and Lindsey Graham all, all yeah. backed me. Um, and, you know, you go out and campaign. So, you know, Rick Perry... You know, went and campaigned with me in 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 Iowa. You know, and and knew, you know, I remember being in Barnes there. And and look, Rick Perry was was my governor, someone who I knew and respected. He's older than I am, so it was a little surreal uh, having having someone like Rick Perry come and campaign and say, "Go go vote for Ted." Uh, you know, Lindsey Graham, my colleague. You know, he had famously said uh, that if you killed me on the floor of the Senate. And the jury were other senators. You couldn't find a jury to convict me, to convict the murderer. <laughs> and so when Lindsey endorsed me, I, you know, I jumped on, on you know, and, and he helped raise some money for me. And I remember saying, saying at the time, I said, wow, this is the first time in my life I've ever been endorsed by someone who's publicly called for my murder. Um, you know, <laughs> politics is, can be a strange bit. And Lindsey and I have, have, have become friends since then, but it was... You get interesting. Carly Fiorina, who who I thought was a terrific candidate that cycle, 
Um, you'll recall I announced that if I'd won, she would have been my VP. Yeah. Uh, that was an unusual step to do it early. But frankly, I was trying to break through the narrative the wall of the $3 billion of free media. And I was trying to find something that actually would be heard by the voters, but but the corporate media had no interest in anything being heard. Frankly, I think most of the media wanted Trump to be the nominee because they wanted Hillary to win. They, and they thought and, that was that, that was what all of them were saying was, give us Trump. He's the easiest to beat. Yeah. And, and, and Hillary Clinton will become the president of the United States of America and will break that glass ceiling of that beautiful building. I think that was a, a very deliberate strategy, and I will say for all those bastards, it kind of backfired. Yeah. And they got four years of Donald Trump as president, and they may be about to get four more years uh, of Donald Trump as president. And, and it's, uh, you know, the, the self-declared media overlords, the, the, there, there is an old saying, be careful what you wish for. No doubt about it. I love these conversations. I love that we get to do this. Thanks for pulling back the curtain on 16 and explaining it from a candidate's perspective, because as you mentioned, what people go through when they have to drop out, especially DeSantis right now, it's tough. It takes yeah. it can take months to come out from that fog of war afterwards because all of a sudden you go from nine to nothing to it's all over, as you mentioned. Uh, and, and how long does it take to get out of that fog? I think it depends on the candidate. It, it, depends. It, it depends a lot. Look, everyone has a period where you just kind of... It's like I, morning. I assume Ron will do this, but but... Just about everyone goes and goes somewhere on vacation. And my advice when I talk to a candidate after, after they've lost, and this is true, I've talked to lots of candidates who are running for Senate and House, and, and some win, some lose. But for the ones that lose, I say go somewhere, unplug, get off email, get off your phone, get off Twitter. Just just go sit by the beach with a pina colada and, and just recharge. recharge. Be with your family, hug your kids, just... just get away for a while and and look the world gets a lot quieter um you know in 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 a presidential campaign it's deafening and then when you suspend it it's like okay i'm out of this crazy game at least for now and then to come out of the funk listen every presidential candidate that loses i think without exception goes into a funk i mean you 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 have a bit of depression and and grieving yeah and the key to kind of, I was no exception to that. I had a period where I was just kind of... In a funk. Yeah. And I think the key to coming out of it is finding something to lean in that you love, that you engage in. And, and you know, listen, I have a day job of representing 30 million Texans, which I love doing and pour all of my heart, mind, and soul into it. And that became... go. And then when Trump became president... You had somebody to work with. And, and I rolled up my sleeves and said, I am going to lead the fight in the Senate for us to deliver on our promises. We, got, we have work to do. And so pouring yourself into the fight and into the work is, I think, a really important part of coming out of it. Um, and, and some candidates do that more quickly than others. It varies person by person. It's fun. I love the conversation. Don't forget we do this show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Make sure that you hit that subscribe, download, button especially if you're listening on apple right now uh you have to check that box and make sure that you are following the show uh, they've changed it up for the new year and how it works so make sure you're still getting those automatic downloads as we do the show three days a week plus a week in review on saturdays for what you may have missed during the week uh, and we'll see you back here on wednesday 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man, who was called Mal Evans, who was on roadie, and uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Sergeant Pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.